Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so in a series of conversations with comics creators about their lives, their work, and comics. So sit back and enjoy. Hey gang, before we get to today's episode, let me just take a moment and encourage you to check out my brand new Kickstarter, Green Screen Comic Number 2. That's right, Green Screen Number 2 is up on Kickstarter throughout the month of July. Second issue of this fun fantasy comedy adventure series featuring a movie star who gets lost in an alternate reality called the Cineverse, where every movie is a real world. It's a lot of fun. It is um, comedy in the style of what? I don't know. It's brand new. It's totally original. There's nothing like it in the world. And this is the greatest comic that ever was. So be sure to check out my Kickstarter starter at greenscreencomic.com. That's all you got to do. Remember that, greenscreencomic.com. There's a lot of great rewards, a lot of fun stuff. There's buttons and pinups and extra pages and a comic book to boot. So head on over to greenscreencomic.com to support this brand new Kickstarter throughout the month of July. Uh, It'll be great to see you there, and I hope to be sending you a copy of Green Screen Number 2 in the mail as soon as possible, because the book's done. So all it needs is some support, and it will be winging its way to you. So take care, and thanks again. Now, on with the show. Welcome, Blockhead listeners, to a brand new episode. Today we have a very special guest, an old friend of the show, Tahid Bondia, is here to talk with us today to tell us all the news about his wonderful comic strip, Crabgrass, which you can read on Instagram at Crabgrass Comic or on GoComics.com. Just look for Crabgrass. And uh, Tahid's got some very special news, uh, which you're probably aware of already if you know anything about comic strips and comics these days. But I'm not going to step on his toes. I'm going to let Tahid tell us when we get to talking in a moment. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, again, with Crabgrass, be sure to check it out on Instagram or gocomics.com and then come back and pick up with us here in this interview. And you can also check out our earlier interview with Tahid. Uh, in 2019, um, we talked to Tahid about, for the first time, about crabgrass and about his work. And so there's a lot of backstory in that episode. So if you haven't, listen to it before, check it out either after this episode or, or uh, just before, um, and it'll fill you in on, on who Tahid is and what his background is. Because today we talk about kind of new stuff, didn't want to repeat everything we talked about the last time. So this is a lot of fun, this conversation. It's really great to connect with Tahid again, and I'm just so, I'll tell you, I'm just so happy so happy uh, for him and uh, I think he will be too so hey let's get right to it then Tahid Bondia and myself in conversation yeah uh, uh, yeah no I I save all the brilliant stuff for immediately before and after the record button (laughs) you wouldn't believe how many many times I I like re-record things trying to find the right friggin' word because I can never say the right word when I'm <laughs> particular. I don't know how actors do it, you know, ad-libbing and stuff. 
Yeah. It's yeah. Great. No, you you cannot give me a heads up because yeah. Then as soon as I know I'm, the record button is on, then I just draw. My brain goes completely blank. <laughs> you know, um, I'll write out a like to do a Kickstarter stuff or whatever. You know, you do a video and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I'll sit down to try to do something like that, and um, I have to like I'll do it fifty times, and I'm like, how the how do actors <laughs> how do they deal with this? You know, yeah. no, it's it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've... How you been? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I've never, I've, I tried once to do like a, a little video that featured me uh-huh. and just like it's, I, yeah, I have, it seems easy. Like I, you laugh at people who are clearly bad actors, <laughs> amateur actors, and like you could clear, easily do better than that. Just pretend like you're talking and then you try to do it yourself. And yeah. It is, it is a whole other thing. It is incredibly hard to sound natural uh, when you're trying. It it really is. It's like mm-hmm. you know, and as we're saying that, and we're sounding natural in this conversation, I'm beginning to be self conscious. <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> what do I say now? No, <laughs> yeah, don't get me thinking about it. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we, uh, otherwise, it'll be another 45 minutes of silence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, hey, how you been, man? Good, good. Yeah, it's been it's been a good um, few weeks. A good few weeks, yeah. It's yeah. been an, uh, an amazing few weeks, uh, for for reasons I'm going to let you say because it's your, <laughs> your thing, man. So please tell tell the world what is happening in Tahid land. Okay, well, um, anybody that follows my work probably had a heads up that the comic strip that I create, Crabgrass, uh, just launched in syndication in newspapers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um. On June 27th, so it's been in papers for a couple of weeks now. Uh, we had a pretty good launch, too. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we managed to get into the L.A. Times, which was a huge get. That's um, yeah, that was that was that was uh, way more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, we had the uh, initial launch a couple of months before that that we ended up having to push that back because of the pandemic and everything right turns out it's really hard to um sell a comic strip to newspapers during a global pandemic mm-hmm. among other things yeah, <laughs> but, it's, it's uh, interesting the impacts that all of that had but yeah. you know you, you it's one thing i don't think about you know is the sales of you know syndicated material mm-hmm. really comic strips would would drop off during some such a thing but everything dropped off yeah well i mean it's in this age of technology you know you you assume it wouldn't have a lot of the impacts that it does, mm-hmm. but when it when it comes to sales, a lot of this stuff is really just guys still guys you know knocking on doors and shaking hands and 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 you know kind of going to where the uh, sale is taking place and and having lunch and things like that. Like a lot of that stuff is actually still really old school, especially when it comes to newspapers. Apparently, you're kidding. So, yeah. So uh, you know the sales staff, they were working their butts off but they couldn't get a hold of a lot of the people that they can usually get a hold of to make things happen you know Uh, because people were working from home or you know offices were closed and things so um after the the um pandemic let up a little bit they kind of gave it another push and Mm -hmm. were able to get a lot more done thank god Wow, man. Well, yeah. this this takes me a little off track, but the, the first thing I just want to say is congratulations. It, oh, thank it, you, thank you. This is such such a wonderful 
event. And I think anybody who knows your work and has followed your work for the last couple of years has got to be celebrating because there is no more deserving comic strip or cartoonist than Tahid Bondia and Crabgrass. Right. It is. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, you know, I think everybody knows it's, it's, and this is why it burned up, you know, Instagram like it did. It's just because it, it hit a note and it's beautifully done you know funny as hell and and it connects with everybody and i think that's what you know i guess that's really what making a comic strip's about it's making that connection and uh, you did it yeah yeah i mean i'm, I'm trying to do something <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> um yeah it's, it's one of those things where it's like well i mean i've been at it for so long you mm-hmm. can't you get good at anything that you practice long enough but i've never taken formal classes on it and stuff so i don't necessarily know all the terminology or, or exactly how to articulate what it is that I do when, I, you know, people ask me, but, um, uh, 45 minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I com- uh, completely, uh, lost my train right, of thought there. It's all right, man. No, you are, you, you, it's ridiculous. Cause I went back and listened and you know, exactly, you know, when we start talking about mechanics and you, mm-hmm. Stop being self-conscious and too too humble in my opinion <laughs> far too humble because there are lots of folks who who do this over and over and over again who never connect or click or get better at it and and you know uh that's not the case with you you know it's just not the case and yeah i think it's a yeah it's, it's a lot of things i mean it's definitely it's definitely a lot of hard work also a fair fair amount of luck i mean you know as well as i do just from the circles that we run in, there mm-hmm. are lots of people who have been trying to get syndicated mm-hmm. for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Uh, yourself included. Myself are, included. <laughs> yes. Who are extremely talented. And I, it, I, I can't, you know, no one has a good answer for why it doesn't happen. It's just, you know, sure. You've got to be, uh, working mm-hmm. and you've got to have a modicum of talent, but also, you know, you kind of got to be in the right place at the right time. And, Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm super, super thankful and grateful. But, um, you know, also, it's just like everybody at Andrews McNeil has been I've been in the best hands this whole time. You know, Sheena mm-hmm. Wolf is a freaking rock star. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 just been it's been a fantastic experience. And you I'm know- really lucky. You, you, it's more, it's I, like I said, it's more than that. I think somebody said half the game, you know, is showing up and you yes. showing up every day on and off now for oh, well over 20 years. I mean, you know, it's not an overnight, we're not talking overnight success story. We're talking, yeah, yeah, that's true. you've been making comic web comics since way back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think we're talking late 20th century, maybe even. I'm not even sure. <laughs> so, you know, showing up and being there and then developing and then hitting, hitting the right notes. And I think, you know, the thing about syndication and comic strips these days, first of all, it's so difficult, right, to get syndicated. But aside from that, you know, you're entering into what's a fairly rigid marketplace to begin with. Um, sure. Because... Newspapers have limited space. They're very proprietary about that space. And, yeah. uh, you know, a comic strip has to die, really, before they replace it on the page. So that's a yeah. big step there. But also the universality, the, the sense that you connect, not just to, like, uh, other cartoonists, but that you connect, you know, to the world at large and have a, a theme that connects to the world at large. And mm. Crabgrass really, really does, you know? So I think right. that's a big part of it, man. Oh, I certainly appreciate that. That it's it's um, 
Yeah, uh, it, it, I've tried on numerous occasions to try and, and, and distill it and break it down because when you when you have something that's that's working, you want to know why it's working so that you can uh-huh. keep doing it, and uh, you know so I don't accidentally go off the rails or something. Um, and that's it's it's difficult because it's yeah it's a it's a it's a number of things. I, I sometimes feel like it's the whole well it it's the time period that it takes place in or it's the um, you know, biracial friendship of the of the of the two main characters, or it's you know, a lot of people say that it reminds them of Calvin and Hobbes, and that uh, you know, sort of strikes a chord with people, and it's it's difficult to suss out exactly what it is that uh, is a good metric for why you know this thing is is being more successful than comics I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. So. I've quit doing that. I quit trying to figure that out because I'll just, you know, I'll drive myself crazy just running around in circles trying to to figure it out. I just keep doing what is uh, natural to me and hopefully that'll just keep uh, working. Yeah, well, you know, maintaining the authenticity, which, you know, I think this is interesting. I've never been in this position, but I can imagine, you know, you have a big if you're, you know, a music star or something, you have a bit hit, big hit single or something. Right. I don't know if people talk about singles anymore, but anyway, um, it, it, you so you have a big hit, and then the next time out, it's like, oh, geez, you know, what did I do that time? That was <laughs> exactly. You know? And yeah. and then you start going, oh, geez, uh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And you know you don't know, and really the whole thing is you, you really so much of it is feel, you know. You can intellectualize uh, over and over about these things, but the reality of it is, a lot of it is just your gut and and what makes you you as a cartoonist, as an artist, um, and being in touch with it, not losing touch with it, and uh, mm-hmm. getting distracted. But I'm imagining that. Well, let let me step back a minute. <laughs> two and a half years ago you and i it was two and a half years ago last time we talked yeah and so it's been a while and a lot mm-hmm. has happened but at the time when we left that conversation you know off the record you said you told me a little bit about what was going on yeah and so it the process went on from there and mm-hmm. i can't imagine okay so over the course of two and a half years what happened in that period of time, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, that it took that it took so long for crab. I know the pandemic happened, but yeah. other things must have happened, too, in terms of development of the strip and whatnot. What kind yeah. of hoops did you have to go through during that period? And I guess Sheena was guiding you. Um, yeah. But, yeah. You know, what, what was that whole process like? Uh, other than the length of time, which was normal, you know, the, the, the development process, uh, you can look forward to that being at least, you know, two and a half to four years, um, just as a standard. So, um, other than the amount of time that it took, it was, it was honestly a pretty painless, um, you know, uh, situation to be in. Like it was, I had the time to kind of develop the voice of the strip, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, also build up my, my, my work ethic and my chops so that I could produce seven strips a day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I had, I had been doing comic strips for a long time already, but I had never even attempted that kind of update schedule before. Mm-hmm. So I needed plenty of time to figure out that I could actually do that. Um, but it was just, yeah, the whole process was once a month I would send them, I would email Sheena a batch of strips and 
uh, she would try and drill into my head how to use a comma again (laughs) each month. Uh, But ultimately, like in the beginning, there were a few sort of notes about the theme of the strip or maybe how to punch up a punchline or something like that. But that that kind of that didn't last very long. That maybe was like the first, honestly, five or six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it was just basically, you know, catching any spelling or, or grammar errors. And I was just on my own, um, just kind of uh, letting them know if I was making any big changes in the strip. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was one point where uh, I, I, uh, I, I went through what is usually a pretty normal thing for me in a comic strip is a, um, I guess, a, a, a character design crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any time I've been drawing a character for a certain amount of time, I suddenly wake up one day and they look all wrong. <laughs> and they look terrible. And what was I thinking? And I have to change this. I have to fix this. And so in that moment, I just want to scrap the designs, start from scratch, now with a better idea of who the character is, mm-hmm. and, and, and just completely redraw them from the ground up. And of course, working in web comics self-publishing i was free to do that you know whenever or as often as i wanted to mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i mean i might hear some rumbles from whatever small audience I, I had at the time but uh this was different um but yeah I, I got that itch and so i sat down and i redrew uh kevin and, and miles mm-hmm. and i sent it to sheena and you know I, she's she's a pro yeah yeah she she gave me the most diplomatic what the fuck are you doing i've ever ever read in my life and it was she just she just basically guided me around to the i know this isn't fair but in it's funny to think about it in uh, um after the fact that you know she just kind of let me come to my own conclusion that this was a bad idea you know (laughs) She, she was of course right and it was a bad idea when i look at those um, when I look at those redesigns now, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have really been stuck in a bad place with what I, I, I did with them. So I'm glad that I, uh, left it the way that it was, mm-hmm. but you know, she could have come at that from a number of different angles and instead just let me discover on my own before it was too late <laughs> <laughs> that, that I was making a terrible mistake. And but, uh, was this, was this around the time of, um, I think I remember seeing on the Instagram mm-hmm. something about, you know, their hair and eyebrows and things of that nature. I can't remember exactly. Are, are we talking about something more drastic than that? Uh, that that I did. Uh, yeah, I think what you're referring to is a, a post that I made just kind of showing the evolution of this art style from okay. early in the strip to now. And just like there are, are a few little things that have changed about the characters over time. <laughs> But yeah, no, this was much more drastic than that. And I did post it on Instagram. I don't know if I still have it up there, but it was like, it was a whole rework of, and and the audience was split right down the middle. Oh, wow. Really? About, yeah, whether, I mean, th- and people hated it with a passion. People loved it and couldn't wait to see it. And it was, it was, there were no help at all about <laughs> whether or not I was, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I ended up sticking with the uh, original designs ultimately. They just, well, it's much more suits the, uh characters i think you know the old adage right if it if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah yeah you know? I, I think i really needed to just go through that too and kind of get that out of my system because it hasn't mm-hmm. been a problem since 
Well, you know, there is a natural evolution, right, in the design mm-hmm. of any comic strip, and that that's natural. It's just kind right. of over the period of years, but mm-hmm. you know, to to sort of self consciously step back and and re you know calibrate um, mm-hmm. their designs and everything could be pretty shocking, uh, especially sort of middle in the middle of the road of development, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but that, I think that's what it, part of it was. Was I mean that that's kind of what the um, development process is for. You know, because when you get to the end of the development process and you have the look and everything nailed down, um, one of the things that we did was we put together a sales kit. And that's the first six week of, weeks of comics that any new papers will run before mm-hmm. they start running the, the, the current strips. Right. And those six weeks were pulled from like the best six weeks of comics in the entire development run that we did. And including like a few introductory strips, like where the kids first meet and things like that. And we had to take those initial strips and I had to redraw them in the current style uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. so that they all, all match. And it's not so jarring yeah. um, for new readers and, news, and newspapers. Um, so you, you definitely want to get the, uh, um, the art style to a good place to, to, you know, kind of it's a mm-hmm. final form or whatever uh, before you put together the sales kit. Well, when they put together that sales kit mm-hmm. and they put together the, the strips, um, what, you know, what's guiding their choices in, in that regard? I mean, like, how do you put together one of those sales kits for, for going out on the road with um, to present to a newspaper? What, what are they looking for in the strips that you're you're going to be showing them? Well, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of. Uh, cooks in the kitchen there um <laughs> yeah no the sales staff they have a they have a say you know they they go through the strips and they pick the ones that they think will you know make the whole thing easier to sell mm-hmm. um editors know what kind of stuff they want to see um and so people like sheena know what kind of things they'll they'll respond to uh just and just stuff that people think who've read the strip on the staff they really like it. They really, and anything that I absolutely have to have in there goes in there. And so, you know, it, it, it actually didn't take us that long to put together a, a, a good sales kit. <clears throat> well, you have a lot of material to draw from. Yeah, there was, there was a couple of years of material. Yeah. How long have you been doing crabgrass now? Mm, since April of 2019. 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not that long, but no, 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 not that long. Yeah. But, um, a lot of those strips, I don't may not see the light of day. Yeah, but um, they're kind of there in case I ever want to like revisit those, maybe those storylines and redraw them or something like that. If I run out of material in the future, are you essentially working like six weeks in advance? Is that kind of that's the standard? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, at least that. I mean, it's probably closer to like three months. Three months. Okay. Uh, well, no, hold on a second. Um, what is it? Yeah, no, I've got stuff. Uh. Actually, the stuff I'm working on right now is is late January. January. Okay. Yeah. So you do yeah. have time. Um, <laughs> were you being paid during this whole? I mean, do you mind me asking that? Was yeah, that... yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Andrews McMill, they do pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not much, mm-hmm. but it's not nothing. And mm-hmm. um, uh, you live on, or did you have to supplement with you know? No, 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 no. That <laughs> not not enough to live on at all. Um, yeah. You. 
would need another full-time job if you were trying to support your uh, family or whatever. But um, I was lucky enough that my wife was able to support us through this, mm-hmm. her full-time job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got my little check and uh, every month. And we just, you know, hoped one day it would get bigger. Well, cause you, yeah, you have the, your eyes on the prize, you know, right? Yeah. You're the bigger picture. And, right. and, uh, and you know, one of the things that I think we talked about the last time was the support system. And, you know, it's really important for, and, uh, you know, artists in general to understand, you, you, you know, you don't do it alone. It's yeah. the kind of thing where support some has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, because it's so hard otherwise. And, uh, it uh, really is. It's, you know, whether it's it really friends. Yeah, that that that's always a, a a kind of interesting dynamic I find too because, um, I mean I guess anybody that's in the arts kind of mm-hmm. has to really really lean hard on on a support network mm-hmm. because it just there's it's it's just completely uh um what's the word I'm looking for just it's just this really thankless. <laughs> you know rewardless thing until it pays off yeah you know yeah. and so you you need your whole community to support you and as a result it's actually harder to get support from people close to you mm-hmm. because i think they're you know people are afraid that you you're pinning all your hopes on something that may not pay off mm-hmm. you know that nobody wants to see you pass up opportunities you know, to, to, to keep chasing this dream that, that may not have, nobody wants to, that cares about you wants to see you get hurt that way, yeah. you know? So they can sometimes be a little withholding when it comes to support because they don't want to encourage you, but they also don't want to discourage you. It's, it's a, it's a weird line that people have to walk, but you know, you've got to have one or two people in your corner that are like, fucking go for it, man. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You got to have a couple of those people. Absolutely, you know, because in in the end, um, you know, like like I was saying, it's it's so difficult on your own, and I, I and one way or the other, you you know, you have to figure it out for yourself, and a lot of it has to do with your personality. And one of the things, you know, in talking to you a couple of different times and listening to you on on uh, uh, another podcast, um, you know, the other day I was listening to the Tahid Bondia on Comic Lab. Now talk about making it big. Now, now we're talking, you know, syndication. Well, forget that. You know, comic <laughs> lab is, is yeah, the deal, I, got, I got my little 15 minutes. It was nice. <laughs> that must have been pretty cool. Yeah, well, it, it was. It was actually pretty cool that and it was also my living nightmare because, you know, uh, they had their whole setup, you know, just the way they wanted it, you know, and I had to download a, a program to use to 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 chat with them because it like it like records everybody's part in a different file on a different location and 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 so uh but when i i i needed headphones and everything like that i was Mm -hmm. not prepared uh i got my old headphones with a mic on them and we started the interview and they were like is that do you hear that what is that is that a and i'm like well, I, I don't hear anything. They're like, it sounds like a, is there a fan or something running or something like that? And like, so like the first, oh God, like the first oh, 10 or 15 minutes was us trying to track down this noise. And of course it was my loud ass ancient computer <laughs> just oh, like dying before our eyes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So we ended up just having to go ahead and record the interview with that 
background noise. So it wasn't it wasn't as good as it should have been, but it still was. It was it was a really great experience getting to talk to those guys. Oh, of course, sure. my, my mind went blank, as always. <laughs> well, you've you've actually it's interesting. We were talking about Scott Kurtz that time around and that interaction mm-hmm. you had with Scott Kurtz, however. Oh, yeah minor in your career that was but um so you were you were sort of a follower of those guys you know because they were the first generation web that's right really and they set the template for everybody else who followed and so it was kind of a cool moment for them to acknowledge you know yeah really you know your achievement and the quality of your work and stuff and i think it's pretty cool you know yeah it is really... we all listen to comic lab man. <laughs> yeah no that, that's the thing we all we all listen to it and it's it's so weird because i don't every now and then there's a moment that i can't like rationalize away or minimize because that's just kind of how i cope with stuff when big things happen i tend to rationalize and and minimize them make them smaller so that i can you know, process them easier and, 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 you know, they don't interrupt my life as, as badly. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, when really big, good things happen like that, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, there's nothing I could do, but just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was just a purely awesome thing that happened. I did not see it coming. They just, uh, Dave, uh, sent me an email just kind of out of the blue. Hey, do you want to be on the show. And then after that, he, um, asked me to, uh, do, uh, be a guest artist for one of his, uh, Oh, even cooler. Yeah. For one of his, his drive stories, which was really cool. It's up on the site. And it yeah. was like, whew, man, that was, that was so cool. Now you've um, <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely a cool thing, but also probably the last collaboration I'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> that was just, I'm, I've never in, really super enjoyed collaborations, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but that was just something I was. I'm not saying no to, you know. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Was that hard to do? Uh, just as hard as it is with any situation where you find yourself. Okay, now I have to design some characters mm-hmm. from scratch, and and I have to I have to work around what this writer believes is an appropriate amount of space mm-hmm. for words versus art and right. uh things like that and, and i have to work within the confines of this creator's you know panel layouts and things like that so it's it's it, yeah it's it's not easy yeah but i had the skill set and it was an honor to do and i think it turned out really good so mm-hmm. and it was and it was a nice payday too i mean obviously bread uh i mean uh they pays for all that stuff so Oh, very cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know, it's really cool to do that. I mean, I, I kind of understand what you're saying about collaboration. I've never been, it's never been in my, I had uh, Randy Ronaldo on the show the other day. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work or not. He's been in small press for a zillion years and Randy does a great thing called Rob Haynes adventures and he's been doing <laughs> it for a long time. And um, back just towards the end of the black and white boom in the late 80s and early 90s that kind of thing that's when he started it anyway randy's been doing this all this time and he always had a high level of skill but randy is like one of those guys who has no interest in collaborating with people at all um because he he since he was a kid he's been doing this comic and that's all he's really interested in doing and he does it really really well i mean really well but um he's you know collaboration is not something that's in his mindset and that's what's so great about being cartoonists 
you know yeah. you know when i was a kid i studied i when i was first in art school the first time around i went through a couple times um first time around i studied film uh and animation and the idea was i love telling stories you know and so that and it, visually and so it makes sense mm-hmm. you know moving to film because they didn't teach comics in those days you know where i was at i mean sva did but i was at, in philadelphia yeah. so so i studied film and when i quit school and i did i quit school because i got all fucked up and um which was great though it worked out just for those who were worried about you know taking a path not always traveled um i ended up meeting my wife that way so it, <laughs> it turned out real real well um <laughs> kind of interesting how all that stuff works but anyway yeah you know making a film is in those days not so much today you can do it on your own pretty much but in those days it was collaborative there's nothing you could do really you know on your own except experimental filmmaking oh sure yeah you know and and the whole notion but so during that whole period when i stopped uh quit school and i couldn't make films you know, or work on a film with anybody, what did I do? I, you know, I worked on comics and really, you know, and started painting, but that's another story. But I worked at, you know, comics is what's yeah. great about being a cartoonist is you can do the whole thing yourself yeah. and it, you realize your entire vision. It doesn't mean you're going to be the greatest at everything, but Charles Schultz said, you know, cartoonists are basically, you know, multi-talented people who are mediocre at a whole host of different things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and um, this, uh, plus it's like, it's, it's one of those things where you have to have a certain skill set to kind of get into it and feel like you're, you're being successful at it. And it teaches you a bunch of stuff. The, the longer you hang, hang in there with it, you know, yeah. like, um, obviously learning all about, uh, fonts and lettering and stuff like that certainly wasn't a passion of mine when I first started <laughs> comic strips, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a huge focus of mine now. I'm really into it. And I'm, 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 I've probably remade my font for crabgrass five or six times. Although the layman couldn't tell, did I, the, the power just go off in my house? Well, I've, I've still got you. Did it really? No. Okay. No, it's just all the lights are out, but. Oh, that's weird. No, they're just off. I don't know if I just noticed that or, or what. I've, I've been pacing around the house as I want to do when I'm when I'm talking on the phone. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess maybe it just got dark outside. Oh, OK. Like, You're yeah, we've, got a, we've got a storm coming in. Oh, oh, I hate that. Oh, I hope yeah. there's no tornadoes on the way and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Right. With the weather these days. But um. You're a pacer too. I do that yes. same thing on the phone. Uh-huh. I'm pacing all all over. My wife is. It drives my wife nuts. <laughs> you sit down, you know, because you're driving me crazy. Because I it doesn't matter who I'm talking to on the phone. Yeah. Like right yeah. now, I'm sitting in front of a laptop. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, on the phone, forget it. I'm walking all over the place. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it if it helps me think or or relax or just. Or know. what? Or I'm not engaged with my body, so it's doing its own thing. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I've it's, always been that way. I'll I'll, I'll check my my watch and have like fourteen thousand steps by the time this conversation is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like I guess it's like a, a kind of nervous habit. But mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about um, 
support systems and all that kind of stuff. And I think sure. really, you know, it's such a big, big thing. And it's really so important um, for anybody who's out there, you know, to look for a rich patron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's one of the great things about the current milieu we live in is, is that, you know, you can find support. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it in your immediate environment through Patreon or Kickstarter or whatever, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know among other other things, and um, and you can yeah, I've also been real lucky in that regard too. There's there was a lot of support on Patreon mm-hmm. for Crabgrass. So I mean, I had I had what little they gave from Andrews McMeal plus my uh, Patreon mm-hmm. um, did modestly. So I wasn't I wasn't uh, a complete um, mooch. For mm-hmm. the entire <laughs> year development period. Well, you know, it's what's cool is, you know, this is, I mean, you know, in a relationship, you know, strong relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. it's give and take, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, you go through these periods. I went, when my wife and I went through uh, some economic difficulty back in the, what was it, late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s. And we decided we needed to make a change. And long term, we decided that I should go back to school to get my master's degree so I could, I could you know, possibly teach, which in and of itself was a shot in the dark, but still it was like the only, you know, I'm an artist. What the hell else am I going to do? You know, cause I'm not of the temperament to sell myself. I'm yeah. really bad at it. And, you know, and, and it's the worst, you know, and I, I actually get the feeling when, when we're talking together that you're, you're a really fairly, um, self-effacing modest guy in most instances at least in terms of self-promotion and so you know the idea of of selling yourself doesn't sound like something that comes real natural to you yeah it's it's the worst thing about it Mm -hmm. um honestly and i just cannot i can i can understand when people say no you have to get out there and do it like and and then they'll even break down the logic like Mm -hmm. if i've got a patreon Mm -hmm. and the rule is you have to mention your Patreon every time you update. You got to mention it however many days a week you update. And I think to myself, if I saw somebody else's Patreon ad three times in one week, by that third time, I'm like, okay, dude, we get it. You have a Patreon. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's like, I, I, I have such a short um, amount of, of, I guess, for lack of a better word, patience for that kind of thing. I assume everybody else is the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to turn people off because it's about the art and things like that. And, but at the same time, you know, the way these algorithms work, I can post my Patreon ad every single day for a month. And at the end of that month, somebody's going to be like, Oh, I didn't even know you had a Patreon. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's different things to consider and I get all that, but at the same time, I still cringe with my whole body. Anytime that I have to promote my work. It's so it's, 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 um, it's really, not a productive mindset, honestly, if you want to be uh, successful at this stuff, like you got to get out there, you have to bite the bullet and you have to, you have to promote your stuff as, mm-hmm. as good as you are able. But yeah, it is, it is the worst thing. I can't. It goes totally against your nature. Yes, it really does. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And, and I understand completely because I'm, I'm of a similar mindset. You want to be polite, you're right. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. want to be polite. I don't want to interrupt and bother anybody. I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'll put this out. It's like even with the podcast, I'll put it up like a couple of times and I'll be like, 
well, I don't want to do that again because, you know, I'm I'm bothering people. But, (laughs) you know, like you just said, it's given the algorithm. Most people aren't even like if I look at my insights, it's like hardly anybody's seen any any of my posts. And so, you know, who the heck cares? But, you know, those Brad and Dave say, you know, listen (laughs) to Comic Lab. Yeah. (laughs) I say over and over again, you can't be like that. You got to be right out there and not be ashamed of it for the reasons that you're just talking about. So tell tell us, um, you know, so you went through this process, the development process. <clears throat> Tell us like this about this this whole sale, the process of sales. I mean, you must have been, you know, biting your nails waiting to find out what was happening with that. Um, yeah, that was and that was all I did because I'm a very anxious person. Mm-hmm. So for me, no news is better than <laughs> bad news or sometimes even really good news. Like I can't, I have a hard time processing really good news. Um, <laughs> and so it's like, I would, I would much rather just kind of not know. And then I can have my fantasies and things like that, you know, and they're, they're, they're not, they're not a reality. It doesn't, it doesn't close the loop of reality yet. And I, I exist most comfortably in that superposition, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, but my wife was losing her mind. Uh-huh. She she's not like that at all. She wants to know everything that she can know at every possible minute, every step of the way. And because I want to be polite, I don't want to pester Sheena as much as she wants to pester Sheena. And so she's like, okay, all right, well, I'll ask her again. I'll ask her again in a month and then we'll tell you. you know. But um, it, it was also a, um, a situation where it's like, they don't, they don't honestly tell you a lot. You know, I mean, I guess, I guess I could be pushy, but they don't really volunteer a bunch of information about that stuff. You know, when it's the sales team's time to do their thing, they just go do their thing. And then when it's time for you to know what the numbers are, then they just, they get back to you and tell you. Um, uh, so for, for that whole period, I was just like, this was my first rodeo. So I didn't even know what like a good, number of papers to launch with was mm-hmm. you know like obviously long gone are the days of like the thousand you know yeah. newspaper launch and and honestly watching in a hundred papers doesn't uh really happen anymore mm-hmm. um and crabgrass uh actually launched in like 60 65 or 68 papers mm-hmm. which was like, like a really good launch because mm-hmm. with the initial launch that they were trying to do, we didn't sell. I mean, we sold like one paper. Oh my god! Yeah, that's how bad it was trying oh to work against god. this pandemic. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure there were other factors involved, but it was just like a really yeah. It was they were like, okay, we're gonna have to push. This is not happening um, because everybody just felt like they could do better for the comic and, and stuff. So, uh, so they they came back and they. Uh, we launched in like 68 papers, mm-hmm. uh, including the, the L.A. Times, which was huge. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, but it was just like up until that moment, I just had I had no idea what it was. And I had asked Sheena a couple of times, like, hey, what's what are the numbers looking like? And I think she just preferred not to tell me until they got all the numbers in, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, was probably better for my mental health. So <laughs> when it was sure, fi- yeah. when it was finally settled or settled enough, uh, 
I got on a, a Zoom call with her and the, the head sales guy, and he broke it down for me, all the papers that we had, and uh, had a good cry. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was awesome. Um, but yeah, that was it was it was a pretty nerve wracking situation to be in, just because you know you you really want the the comic to do well. You want yeah. it to. I mean, I've already put three years of time and effort into this. Yeah. You know, you want it to you hear the horror stories about. Well, I mean, you hear obviously about people who have tried to get syndicated and never could quite get the foot in the door. But then you hear about people who did get syndicated. And just sort of meandered with a, a handful of papers for a few years before their contracts just got canceled. And it was like, I I guess that was successful mm. uh, because, you know, you, 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 if you dream about doing this from being a kid or have been dreaming about this since you were a kid, you think, well, this is going to be my career one day, you know, yeah. Yeah. I will, I'll be a syndicated cartoonist and I won't have to do anything else. And I can just draw cartoons like Charles Schultz at my drawing desk for the rest of my life. And that's it. And it might not always pan out that way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lot of forms that this this career can take uh, yes, you know absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and the one uh, thing that it, it, it did you know after you know a long time doing this and failing and succeeding and failing more often than succeeding mm-hmm. um i think you know and, and this is a real hard thing to tell myself you know mm-hmm. after all this time but you have to you have to kind of come to terms with the fact that there are different roads for different people mm. and that all of them are valid. And, you know, um, in one way or the other, the thing is, is that along the way that you can look back and say, well, I was, I was true to myself and, sure. you know, and I did the best that I could do. And, and if you can look back and say that, then, you know, that's success, man. And, you know, but you you were talking about not only that, but also about how somebody who's been dreaming about doing this their whole life. Yeah. They, they get that deal and then they go along and, you know, and this is what can happen, right? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, the history of comic strips is filled with so many comic strips that, you know, fade from memory because, they didn't last more than two or three years or they were only in you know 20 papers for for the run of 10 years or something right right yeah yeah and it's it's you know like i said i've been dreaming about this from being a kid my idea of what that career would look like was one very particular thing and actually getting into the business Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, this was my first rodeo actually getting into the business and seeing what a lot of these different careers look like. It, it was I was kind of being woken up to the idea that, you know, it might not it might not be my ideal outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to maybe, yeah, sort of tweak my idea of, of, of what being a successful or a syndicated cartoonist might mean. Um, but I, I was I was spending that time during the development period just kind of waiting to find out what my definition of a successful cartoonist was going to end up being. Is it going to be somebody who has a knock it out of the park launch, or is it going to be somebody who is like a slow burn that starts out with a handful of papers that maybe builds up or somebody who just kind of, you know, has their papers and that's their whole run for however many years. And uh, so, yeah, not knowing that um, was a little bit nerve wracking. Sure. But, 
there are some things that are just out of our control, right? And yeah, we yeah. have to learn to be to, you know, I mean, what is it that they always say, right, in, in therapy or wherever it else is there, you know, the things you cannot control, you <laughs> you just have to let that go, right? And yeah. and you have to accept what is and do just continue to do what you do and do it the best you can do. But, you know, here's one little fact that I'm sure has been brought up to you previously is that, you know, mm-hmm. Charles Schultz started out with seven papers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that is peanuts, significant. Yeah, man. Peanuts mm-hmm. started with seven papers yeah. and uh, it grew over time. And I think anybody who knows this comic strip, anybody who, who's read Crabgrass knows that this is a comic strip more than almost anything else, really, that's that's out there that is built for this kind of, I think, you know, explosion. I mean, I really do think. And we'll wait and see if I'm right, man. But but you know, I've never I've never been great at forecasting anything, never <laughs> weather or whatever. But um, but you know what I see in crabgrass is something that, and I'm sure that these guys see that too. This is a comic strip with, with I think if anything's got breakout potential, this has got it. And so I'm expecting in the next couple of years, you know, just to see it explode. You know, I would love to. Strip. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I, yeah. <laughs> I really would. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, uh, I think, <clears throat> um, like we've got the book coming mm-hmm. out in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we we're already signed on for a second book. So I think as far as being able to have a career, a full-time as a full-time cartoonist, uh, I'll get there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've been, working pretty much as a full-time cartoonist for since my I got laid off my last job it wasn't a super lucrative position but I think (laughs) I'm no longer I think I'm out of the woods I'm no longer in danger of having to go back to be a graphic designer or or something like that so so that's good at least uh I think whatever happens from here on I'm 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 gonna be as happy as I can be Um, absolutely but I would I would really yeah I would love it just as much as anybody else to see this comic reach as many people as it can um you know little things like the uh the uh, um scholastics book fair and kids seeing the book there Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah like i did when i was a kid or just being on you know bookshelves and bookstores and things like that every now and then i'll think about stuff like that and i I can't help but smile oh yeah absolutely well it's hard it's hard not to feel successful um Yes, when indeed. you're thinking about stuff like that, you're gonna go walk into a Barnes and Noble and you're gonna see your book on the shelf. And yeah, you yeah, know, no, I already know where it's gonna be. Like, I, do you really? I've, I've already staked it out in our uh, local bookstore. Uh, we've got, we've got a, is it, is it, is it a Barnes and Noble or Michaels or I don't, anyways, um, one of those mm-hmm. big bookstores. Um, and of course, all these books now are in the children's section. They yeah. don't have the uh, the adult comic strip comedy section anymore i guess yeah, um graphic novels and uh, yeah that's about it yeah manga. yeah yeah and uh so all of these books wallace the brave and, and phoebe and her unicorn and and all of that stuff are all in um the children's section and they're in alphabetical order so like i know exactly where on the shelf <laughs> the first crabgrass <laughs> yeah. book is gonna go i know exactly the path to that shelf from the door and everything so i'm just waiting <laughs> so, so um what let, tell everybody a little bit about the book uh, coming yeah. out oh. in september 
So what's yeah. it called? Uh, it's just called Crabgrass Comic Adventures. Um, it's basically the book is different uh, in that it actually does catalog the early strips in their original form. Like I said earlier, we had to redraw a lot of those strips for the sales kit. Well, we made the decision to to um, keep the original art for the books to sort of catalog the artistic progression of the strips over time. I always like that about comic strip collections mm-hmm. where you could see the old quote unquote bad art in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's um, it's like, a, yeah, almost 200 pages. Oh man, that's great! And uh, yeah, it's it's that little I don't know, a strip what the, a page. Yeah, a strip per page. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have to reformat it? I noticed it's two by two vertical. Book. Actually, they did all that. That's what's that. yeah, That's the fantastic thing about a syndicate. I didn't have to do anything. Like, they just they had me with a book guy, mm-hmm. and he just said he went through my entire archive. He sent me a PDF. These are the comics that we're thinking about putting in there let me know if there's anything you absolutely have to have in there mm-hmm. i looked over it everything looked great they color changed everything reformatted the, the the layouts and everything and set it all up and they asked me for some copy for like the introduction i had to come up with a um uh cover of course mm-hmm. which i'm really happy with oh yeah it's um, a great cover. yeah i don't know how i'm gonna gonna uh follow that for book two um, <laughs> you'll come up with something <laughs> yeah but uh um yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't have to do hardly anything and then a book just appeared which is my dream like that's that's so much of why uh syndication is the the the, the path for me mm-hmm. you know um as much as i would love to be able to pull off uh self-publishing there's so many hats that you have to wear Oh yeah. That it just it, it it would you know be a barrier to success for me to constantly obviously like like we said have to promote everything and to have to run kickstarters and all that stuff to make a book happen and store all these books in your house or in a storage area or something like that and just dealing with publishers if I had to do all that they're just well that's the reason that this is my first book <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that daunting task was always there and I never could quite get over that uh, that hill. But mm-hmm. they just they just they said, you want a book? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, OK, here you go. <laughs> it was awesome. oh, that was I mean, you know, and it's great to see. And I can't wait to pick it up myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so many things to think about. I think, too, you know, once people see that book, they're going to be asking, you know, uh, about having this in their newspaper. And um, I think that's going to help, you know, grow. I hope so. That would be cool. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. It's hard to it's hard to tell what's going to cause something else to 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 um or w- what's going to have an effect on any anything else. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if being in the newspaper sells more books or if having a book sells more newspapers or 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 what. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a small bump in my Instagram following mm-hmm. since the comic launched, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine that people who have <laughs> found the comic in newspapers are like well let me check instagram and see if this yeah. is right. you know I don't, but but for some reason the the uh the instagram following has bumped the go comics following has bumped a little bit so it's hard to tell what's affecting what but if we can get a synergy going where there's some perpetual growth that'd be fantastic has there been a kind of promotional 
tour, you know, is Tahid doing a promotional kind of tour? Like, you know, have they arranged for you to do interviews with newspapers and magazines and things of that nature? Uh, yeah, no, I did. A, I did a, a interview with the McClatchy group, uh-huh. which was where the bulk of the, the uh, newspapers that we we're in came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just did a little phone interview um, and an e- another email interview. And those have been kind of circulated around a little bit. Um, but other than that, there's, there has, I, I imagine we'll probably do something when, uh, when the book comes out. Mm-hmm. And I've, my philosophy has just been that I'm saying yes to everything. Sure. You know? I'm not Absolutely. good at this. <laughs> I, don't, I'm not, I, I don't, it's not, you know, I'm not a charmer or, or uh, anything like that. I just, I'm just not saying no to this stuff because I don't want to stand in my own way. So if, if you want to put me on your podcast and then spend 18 hours editing <laughs> all of my hums and haws and, and, <laughs> and losing my train, then okay, fine. <laughs> have fun with that <laughs> well you know it's, uh, for me you know just speaking for myself um i just i always enjoy talking to you and so yeah. you know it's it's good to have you on the show just just to reconnect again but also because you know last time we were on we said we would do this you know that yes yeah it came out that we yeah would... i was expecting to hear from you it wasn't it was an easy yes to this because yeah i had yeah. such a great time because because this was this podcast was the first one that I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. I, I had never, believe it or not, <laughs> had never been on a, a a podcast as a guest before. Um, so this well, was the I'm, first one I did. Geez, man, I've, I've, I, well, uh, that's a, uh, I think I'm, I'm fairly proud of that. I'm glad you, had, <laughs> you know, I, I have to say you were um, originally recommended to me by brad perry he said you know you really i don't know if you know brad but brad did pirate mike for a bunch of years oh yeah 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 brad's kind of yeah. he, he had to you know go back and focus on on his job but yeah. so we put that aside as as passionate as he as he is but um that being said he said you know get tahit on the show and i was like yeah you know you're right this guy's stuff is just awesome you think he'll be on you know want to do it I, I was like thinking you know because you were really skyrocketing in terms of instagram bro. <laughs> I thought, do you think he'll want to talk to me i don't know oh my god <laughs> i was a little nervous about approaching <laughs> this man's a star well, a i'll tell you what i'll tell you what jeff um uh, I went immediately to your um, to your uh, podcast episode list because uh-huh. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and then I exactly. saw that the people that you had talked to and I was like, oh, crap, he wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really lucky getting folks on the, on the show, really, because, uh, you know, there's been so many of the, of the folks I've talked to or people I really well, everybody who's been on the show, you know, I really are people that I respect and whose work I really enjoy. And it, it kind of makes for an interesting, but, uh, you know, eccentric mix because I don't fall into one category or another you know comic strip Mm. audiences it's interesting um i think we got into this talking a little bit about the difference between comic books and comic strips the last time yeah but you know the audiences are two very distinct audiences Mm -hmm. uh comic book people don't always fall over into comic strips and vice versa and it, it always struck me as very strange you know because 
um you love i love comics i love all kinds of comics and so mm-hmm. why not talk to all kinds of different comics creators you know um so you know the show has been lucky in terms of having some of the people on hey have you you know did you hear in preparation for this did you hear from any uh you know cartoonists you admire or did did you reach out to any of them to get advice or you know did anybody offer advice to you or is you haven't heard from anybody <laughs> the, uh, honestly i tend to work in a vacuum and that uh-huh. hasn't changed much mm-hmm. um but what i do notice now is that yeah i'll and i'll uh, I, if I do reach out to somebody, they'll tend to respond more now than in the past, obviously. But um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't read a lot of other comic strips, um, just because those, you know, ideas tend to leak over into my brain, and then I yeah. think that I had the idea later. And uh, um, so I don't read a lot of comic strips. Uh, I I like follow some cartoonists that I know online. Um, through social media and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I really, I don't know. I, I think whatever it is that I did right with crabgrass, I did on my own. Yeah. So to start taking a bunch of advice now, unless I hit a wall with a problem that I can't solve, mm-hmm. then, uh, I think I just kind of rely on my own resources to navigate this stuff. Um, plus I, you- I honestly, I just don't want to hear from somebody that I really respect that I'm doing something really, really wrong. Oh, <laughs> no, man. I would think you, see, that's, that's your, your, you know, self image again, man. I mean, somebody, I think, I think, you know, somebody's. I'm going to be talking to you in 10 years from now and you're still going to be saying, I'm going to the same kind of, you know, modest, humble stuff, man. It's like, <laughs> no, I think that I would think they would congratulate you, you know, and say, welcome to the club because we love your work. You know? And I, I think that would be, you know, because no, you're probably right. One thing I have found, which is interesting, though, I am, I do tend to be a very self-effacing guy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the kind of the first thing that I put out there. You know, <clears throat> talk to me for very long and you'll start to see the confidence in my abilities come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I like you said, you want to be polite, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I, I really hate to try to come off as somebody who is I mean, I really hate to come off as somebody who seems arrogant or entitled, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I take great lengths to try and pr- present as a, a humble person. Um, well, I think it's, it's genuine, honestly. So, you know, and, and, and entitled you are not, you've worked your ass off. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. But at the same time, when I do find myself in the presence of like other, other professionals like yourself, I know that that can be kind of a, okay, yeah, we get it. You're very humble. Let's everybody here. We, we all know the same stuff. We all, we, we're talking shop now. We can just, can we skip all of the formalities or whatever? And, and just like, we all, you, you're, you're good at this. I'm good at this. Can we just talk like two people who know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> instead of this? Uh, oh, shucks. Well, I don't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. I've had to learn to, to try to uh, read the room when it comes to stuff like that. But, um, are you a member of the National Cartoonist Society? Uh, yeah. You are okay. Yeah, I was just curious. It was, it's one of those things that not, you know, it's one of those things that sort of, it was so important back in the day. And I don't know if younger cartoonists, of course, you, you, when I say younger cartoonists, I mean, you're younger than me, but you're still not that young. And, <laughs> you know, so for a certain generation, it's still kind of one of those things, you know, you aspire yeah. to. But uh, I, for, for even younger, I'm thinking 20 something cartoonists, probably it, it may not be as important. 
uh, to the yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't see their presence represented as much. Um, I don't know how I would necessarily. Mm-hmm. I do. I attend the chapter meetings um, with like seven other guys. Uh huh. And uh, George, uh, uh, Jeff, this is this is my uh, secret. I am so bad with names. Uh-huh. I I don't even bother trying to remember them, and. That makes it really bad when I need to know industry names, you know? Sure. Um, names of cartoonists who I really respect and really appreciate their art. I never bother learning their names. I just it doesn't it doesn't stick to my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Just uh, just a visual. Yeah, if you if you if you if you name an artist, I might not know who you're talking about. If you tell me what they draw, then oh that yeah, I know who you mean. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But um when you're in a Zoom call, nobody nobody's wearing a T-shirt with their art on the front <laughs> of it. <laughs> I don't know who the hell you're talking to. Yeah, these are these are these are a bunch of old guys who yeah. have been in this organization forever, and you know there's a certain gravitas there, and they, they all know each other, and they you know I mean these are these guys have done some significant things. Yeah, and. I don't, I don't, I, I feel like I'm the new guy and they want to welcome me in and say, uh, congratulations and all that stuff. And I feel like I should be like, oh, I should be, you know, fanboying out because <laughs> like, oh, you, you drew Popeye and you did, you know, uh-huh. but I don't, I don't know any, I can't tell who they are from their names. I don't know their faces <laughs> and I'm just trying to like pick up context clues <laughs> and act like I know. But it's probably not as important as I think it is. But yeah, that's just it. It probably isn't. But I think (laughs) you know. I mean, it's like going to parties, right? You know, we all nobody is good at going to parties. I mean, we're all like worried. We're all self conscious and worried about our the way we appear and our performance, (laughs) whatever. And and yet everybody's worried about that. So it's the same kind of thing. So you know, getting into newspapers is a whole different world than than working online. And um, and you've been a a web cartoonist, you know, for a long time. So you know that world in and out. Um, Are the things you've learned about, you know, one of the things we we just talked about was that sales in newspapers papers was pretty much still face to face which is a shock to me mm-hmm. uh as much as it is but are the things that you've learned about the newspaper world you know that that are surprising to you or that you didn't know and that you've got to sort of enter into your your thinking in terms of the business aspect of of running a comic strip um you know i'm just kind of curious as mm-hmm. and, and is, she, is sheena or or the folks at andrews mcbeal have they set you down and talk to you about you know the world of newspapers and what's happening there and what to expect and all that long term what to expect all that kind of stuff oh no no (laughs) nobody ever nobody ever sits you down and talks to you about anything um the the uh i'm i'm when it comes to the um the newspaper side of things it it was all new to me you Mm -hmm. know sure i mean up until the point that i got uh, a print deal I was working completely off of my fantasy of what I thought it was you know mm-hmm. like I was surprised to find out that there was such a thing as a development period when she offered me a print deal I don't know did I I guess I thought I was going to be in newspapers tomorrow like, I don't, uh-huh. like, sure. yeah. no, she, she was like no this is actually going to be a few years oh 
Yeah, so you won't you won't be getting paid for this for a few years. I mean, you know, other than the little uh, stipend, I guess, that they give you. But um, uh, but besides that, you know, I also learned that um, I guess I thought that newspapers were really uh, strict on certain types of content. Yeah. You know, like I guess I thought that uh, I would get a lot more comic strips shot down because oh, they won't run this in newspapers. Mm-hmm. But, and maybe it's just Andrews McNeil, but it was like, a, clearly I wasn't edgy enough. Like wow. I was, really? Yeah there, yeah, there there were plenty of times where I was like, oh, this character farts, is that okay? And they're like, dude, okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, it's not necessarily an envelope I want to push, but it's nice to know that I'm not going to write myself out. I'm, I'm probably not going to write myself out of any newspapers that I'm already in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting. You always books make on the other hand is different. Huh? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, go on. You said books is different. How's that different? Yeah, the books, the books, more often I came into a situation where they're like, uh, we don't want to put this in the book uh, because, because like, like one of the first story arcs um, where they become blood brothers forever, mm-hmm. there's a knife and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they cut their hands and there's blood in the comic strip. And, yeah. you know, f- from my perspective, that's just like a, a harmless childhood ritual that people my age can relate to. Yeah. Um, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to put a bloody knife in the book. Sorry. And, <laughs> and the, uh, I think there's another um, storyline where Kevin has a crush on Miles's mom, uh-huh. which I thought was hilarious. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorite story arcs. And. Once again, something that we could all relate to. We sure. all had a friend whose mom was we thought was hot, mm-hmm. and it, it the the comic strip was done. I mean, the story arc was done very tastefully, but they were like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. That's just inappropriate." And they weren't mean about it or anything. They were just like, "Yeah, this is this is the line, just so you know." Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that it, didn't go in the book. But it could go in the comic strip. Yeah. It's it, yeah. That could definitely. Uh, uh, Going going to papers, but it's yeah. far enough back in the uh, yeah. development that it probably won't see the light of day. Right, that's ways back there now. I remember, but but you know, I'm just thinking about the, the, the distinction between those, and I guess that's because you know the comic strip in the book form is going to be on the shelf with kids' books, right? And so you've got to be not even tweens' books. We're talking kids' books, and so yeah. mm-hmm. you're talking about a whole other world, and you know, so what do they do with the Doonesbury collection, you know, or or <laughs> you know, even Calvin and Hobbes, right? I mean, because yeah. there's there's all kinds of <clears throat> bad behavior in Calvin and Hobbes, and there's all kinds certainly, you know, when we're talking about Doonesbury, we're talking about, you know, drugs and just about every other bad behavior of adults. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an adult strip. Uh, you know, it, it, it's curious. Um, and it's it's kind of a shame, and although I understand from a marketing perspective why this is happening, right. it's kind of a shame that comic strips such as yours, which is a really literate comic strip, you know, it's not really just for kids. I mean, it's for for anybody, you know, anybody who's human, you know, who reads, you know, it's it's it appeals, I think, across a wide swath of, you know, generations. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, it's kind of a shame that it's limited. It's going to be limited by this kind of narrow view 
of what children can tolerate or what's appropriate for children. And, it is. It is kind of a shame. And it's it's it, it's a uh, it's one of those things where I was just like, well, you know, you guys know better than I do. What's best practices here? Like because uh, for sure, when I first started making the comic strip, I was thinking that it would be collected in a comics collection like a Calvin and Hobbes or something like that, that mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily, that could be consumed by children, but wasn't necessarily aimed laser focused at them. Right. You know, and um, when I found out that that's what the publishing arm of, of Andrew's Meal wanted to do, that that's just basically what they do now. Um, I was just like, oh, okay, well, and so, so then it became things like, uh, coming up with the title of the book, mm -hmm. you know, Crabgrass Comic Adventures is what we settled on. Mm -hmm. But of course I had some crazy name, you know, mm -hmm. in sure. mind, uh, like all of the crazy comic collection names. And I pitched a few of those and they kind of had to just like, um, pump the brakes on me there a little bit and go like, okay, we'll, we'll think about that for like the second book. But this first book, we just kind of need to get it out there. Uh, as a as a collection of comics, you know, mm -hmm. to get get a nice cover that grabs people's attention. It says clearly on the front of the book what's inside the book. You know, this is going to be people's first, a lot of people's first introduction to to the uh, to the comics. So, you know, let's let's save the weird, funny puns and stuff for for the next book. Wow, uh, which made sense. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. But, well, yeah. you know, you can understand. You 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 want that first book to sort of you know, encourage people to come back for more and come sure. back for the next collection and whatnot. Well, you know, whether, whatever, I'm sure the strips that have been chosen are wonderful because, you know, you've got such a wide, you know, a broad uh, base of strips to draw from to, to put that book together. So quality wise, it's not a problem. It's just kind of interesting to think that we've kind of come in a different direction, whereas newspapers now used to be, you know, uh, I mean, there's the famous story in Lynn Johnston's uh, strip, for better or for worse, when, you know, one of the characters came out and that was like a big shocking event in comedy mm -hmm. yeah. back in the day. And, um, and, you know, now it's probably not something that anybody would think twice about, which is right. great, you know, on the yeah. one I mean, it's, it's great. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm curious, too, about... Mm what they see long-term in terms of newspapers, because, you know, I know we all know that it's a different media scape anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and yet the, the brass ring is still newspaper syndication. It's not mm -hmm. go comics. It's not, you know, and, and I'm curious as to think, you know, how that works and what their vision is long-term in terms of newspapers. And, you know, mm -hmm are they seeing that you're going to be able to do this 30 years from now, you know, um, with, you know, a thousand newspapers or whatnot or what they're, you know, because, um, I mean, the reality is there still are, you know, I mean, a thousand newspapers or more out there that mm -hmm. wants, uh, comic strips. So that's still a possibility. I just wonder if they see more and more that that's going to wane or that's just going to continue. You know, do you, I mean, you have any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, I, I I honestly don't know. I think that um, I think the it's just a philosophy of of diversifying now more than anything. You know, yeah. like once once upon a time newspapers were a tent pole. Um, now there's just a lot of little legs. You know, um, like when you sign the contract, uh, you know, they they're gonna pay you for all the uh, um, newspapers and all of the digital uh mediums that that 
you you'll be published in. Mm-hmm. So they've got a number of different avenues uh, digitally that they're publishing oh, comics in. You know, so it's like yeah, you 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 get all the newspapers, but also you get all of the uh, the online versions of the newspapers. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of the the Andrews McMeal digital you know uh, sort of storefronts or whatever that they have that they're publishing uh, comics on, and uh you know they're getting more in fact uh if i'm uh not mistaken they're getting they're getting more into um like tv shows and things too so there's yes. like a hollywood uh-huh. angle yes. happening uh sure. i know phoebe and her unicorn they've been working on a show with nickelodeon for a long time they don't have the best track record yet but that's like the thing going forward you know they're yeah. they're just kind of trying to get their tentacles out into a lot of a lot of different mediums so it's like i think that and I don't necessarily think that this this philosophy is out of a fear of newspapers disappearing because I honestly just don't think they're going to. Mm-hmm. I don't right. think they're going. I just don't see a, a world where everybody just decides, okay, that was the last newspaper, right? Okay, like that was, you know what I'm saying? Books yeah. are still around. Physical copies of books are still around. There will yeah. always be newspapers. Uh, that doesn't mean we're ever going back to the days where you had giant two page, four page comic sections. You know, uh, <laughs> but there will always be newspapers, and so there will always be a place for for comics in them. But I think as a sort of um, a syndicate, you have to think about how you can best serve your creators going forward to make yourself um, attractive to them. Yeah. Because because they're not just creating uh, competing with each other now; they're actually competing with you know self syndication and self publishing. Um, early on. When I was trying to drum up support for for um, Crabgrass, not long after I, I signed the deal, I thought about putting it on Webtoons, and I asked if uh, if that was cool, and they were like, "No, yeah, you can do that," but um, honestly, we prefer that you didn't because that's a, a direct competitor for us. Sure, and I hadn't even thought about that. Mm-hmm. That they're they're competing for a lot of the same eyes when it comes to comics uh, and things because it's just like two totally so totally different things. But um, yeah, they are they're competing with all the webtoons and the and what, what's the other one? Uh, Tapas. Tapas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. All all of that stuff along with everybody who's just out doing it on their own. So in order to make themselves more um, attractive to creators, I think they've had to just like kind of flex their muscles a little bit and just be like, Hey, all right, cool. But we can make you books and we can get you a TV show and things like that. Sure. It's like there's all that, all that stuff is out there. There's definitely, there's always going to be, I think, a, a, a career for a cartoonist with a syndicate if they can get their foot in the door. Sure. It might not look like we, we always thought it did. Well, and I think that's kind of, you know, that's hopeful, uh, you know, hopeful and optimistic and, and a, a positive sign to think that, you know, the the syndicates are being more um, intuitive, a little bit more creative and flexible mm-hmm. in what they're envisioning going forward. They're not, you know, they're run by smart people and those people have, have looked at the landscape and realized what they have. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, the, the at least for, for my part, what I've dealt with, a lot of, everybody's younger than me. Like that, I was wow. people at the syndicate that, yeah, that I'm dealing with, they're all younger than me, maybe a little bit or even a lot younger than me. Um, with, uh, with the exception being when it came to the, uh, the sales department, cause it's, it's still these old guys who have these, you know, decades long relationships, which, oh, you know, interesting. 
you, you still want them around, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, the, these decade-long relationships with these newspapers and these and these uh, editors and things like that. But, yeah, everybody – pretty much everybody behind the scenes is, is, is kind of young. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of new blood moving this. Uh, it seems like this really old, you know <clears> – <throat> Uh, battleship of a of a organization that's you know not going to turn easily but when you get a peek behind the curtain there are really a lot of uh, young people with modern ideas kind of shaping the way forward mm-hmm. yeah that's great because that's mm-hmm. what you you know absolutely you need you know it's so funny you know the older you get um it's you, you one of the things that happens as you get older right is you see the the media landscape changes uh mm-hmm. new generations come along you see your own generation and its own view of the world sort of supplanted by younger generations and it happens mm-hmm. very very quickly and all of a sudden in the grocery store the other day you know the 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 cashier is showing my <laughs> wife and me how to you know tap our credit cards on the thing so <laughs> you know i mean that's how quickly it happens it's like you know, i know that it, you know all of a sudden we're the old people who have to be shown the new technology and yes the, you know and the young yes. people know it all you know yeah thinking about it yeah I'm, I'm right there with you i got i got my apple watch because i always always i don't i never wanted to be that guy you know, I never wanted to be the old guy that my daughter has to show how to use because I I would laugh at my mom because she she I'm, I'm, I'm literally becoming her uh-huh. I was like mom. Mom, why do you keep buying all these laptops and these iPads and everything if you don't know how to use them? And I have to keep coming over here every weekend. But that's what I'm doing. I'm buying all the new technology because I want to stay abreast of all this stuff. I don't know how to use it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just got the the Apple Watch and I went to. um the gas station or something mm-hmm. and you know if you put your your apple pay on your apple watch then all you got to do is hold your watch up to the damn screen oh my god and it pays for it that's Damn. it you just and there's a ding and it pays for it like then your receipt comes out you don't have to sign anything you don't have to you know um put in a code or anything like that it just pays for it and this oh, has see, been I- around this is like not new technology like, this, is, <laughs> this has been around and I'm, I'm my old ass. I'm just now getting on to it. And I'm like, this. have you heard about this? This is like, anybody that'll listen. <laughs> right. But I, I'm thinking I'd be worried about, you know, walking around, looking at my watch and accidentally, you know, passing by a scanner and paying for things <laughs> like left and right. You know, <laughs> what is this on the, the, the charge? You know, it's like all this stuff. I could just imagine it. No, man, it's like it, this is what happens. And yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. No, nope. there really is you could nothing nothing you can do except embrace it. Like and that's yeah. that's so many things about just getting old, you know? Yeah. Like when um I use a lot of slang terms. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just because I've always been fascinated by language mm-hmm. and I I happen I think for someone my age, I happen to 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 stay a little bit more abreast of what the current slang terms are. Mm-hmm. And I will use them in my conversation casually without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. without hesitation and everyone else my age is like what the hell are you doing like <laughs> you know what you sound like and i'm like i don't maybe that's what you sound like when you say this stuff but i know how to use the words and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> i absolutely sound like a fool when i'm using all the the kids slang terms i sound like i'm trying to sound cool whether or not i that's my intent exactly. and it's just there's nothing you can do it's just something that happens to you and you yeah. have to you know, you just you just have to embrace it. When you get old, you make dad jokes. Yep. There's nothing you can do. 
yep. And and you, I'm sure your daughter, you know, <laughs> is, you you start speaking with terms that she's using in her generation, and she's gonna <laughs> roll her eyes. <laughs> My daughter's getting to the age where she's not cool anymore. So to see her dad, <laughs> to see her dad still quote unquote trying to act cool must be particularly painful to witness. What age do you think that happens at? You know, because honestly, you know what? I think I think that cool is is a um is is, is such a nebulous thing. I think mm-hmm. I honestly think that cool belongs to teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. I think it belongs to teenagers. I think that people in their 20s can be relevant. Okay. And they can be they can be aware of what's cool, but I think the creators of and the uh-huh. perpetuators of what's cool is actually teenagers. Yeah. You know, I think you can get to be like 25. If you're still trying to like actively trying to be cool, that's it starts to get kind of sad then. Yeah. You know? Now, <laughs> if you're 45, <laughs> if you... you're 45 and mm-hmm. you're still on the Urban Dictionary looking stuff up, you probably <laughs> you probably have made some wrong choices in your life. <laughs> I probably need to reevaluate some things. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like um, just kind of if you at certain point and you've got to, I think you've got to come to a point where you no longer are are adopting mannerisms or yeah. or fashion or whatnot at a, at a certain stage in your life. You just have to be, and if yes. you are, if you just be in the most natural way, you can embody cool. You know, cool can be within <laughs> you as something that is is just endemic to you, to your being. But uh, uh, honestly, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what the the kids are doing. No, the, the, teen, the the teenagers, they're just being, you know, they're just they're, being, they're right. so immersed in pop culture and cool yeah. language and, and, and lingo and things like that and style. They're so immersed in it that all they have to do is exist and they absorb it through osmosis. And mm-hmm. it's it's post teenage years where you you're trying to you're you're looking for that stuff because it's not coming to you naturally anymore. No, it's you not because you're at work now. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I think you yeah. step into the working world and all of a sudden you, you're no longer in that kind of free rain zone when you were, yeah. you know, a teenager and in, in your early years of college. You're just like all of a sudden now it's serious business and you've got to yeah. conform to an office mentality or you've got to worry about bills. You've got to pay for this, that and the other thing. Yeah. And it becomes serious business. And yeah, you lose all of a sudden, you know, what the latest fashion is or the latest music is, is no longer central to existing. Right, uh, right. Exactly. Know. And that's probably a good thing that that being cool is actually not that important. No. <laughs> at <laughs> all. You know, um, got to kind of give the, up on it. Surprise, surprise. Someone like me was never cool anyways. So it, it just doesn't. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm I'm a short little guy with glasses, and it's like you know, cool was not going to be in my in my house. It was it was uh, you know always always kind of a, a stretch for me, uh, and and a, you know I was geeky. That was that was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what's interesting is um is to look back and see actually how being nerdy can has become kind of cool over the years in its own way you that's know that's what i was gonna say there's a there's a there's a 13 year old geek right now who's way cooler than i'll ever be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no did a whole tv show about you know nerdy science types right the yeah. big bang theory right that land oh yeah 
he ran for all those years. And it's all about nerd, nerdy people who were, you know, all of a sudden the central, you know, figures of this narrative. And they're in their own weird, nerdy way or cur- cool people. Yeah. So, uh, I was just too, you know, I was born too early. And that, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's but, what uh, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were born yeah, that's too what early. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Now, you know, now I, ha- I, you know, I'm, it's interesting. I started my career teaching. Uh, and in a university, I was I had gone back to school and screwed around for a while and you know messed things up and then tried to make it on my own for a while before I went back to graduate school. So I was in my mid to late 30s when I actually started teaching uh, at the university level. And um, so it took me a while to get there. But even then, when you're 38 and you're teaching 20 year olds, there's a certain mm-hmm. proximity in age. And so you can be looked up upon, looked at on upon, even even, you know, a little guy like me can be looked upon as being kind of a cool professor type. Mm-hmm. But now, man, I'm 62. <laughs> you know, those kids I'm teaching are still 20, <laughs> you know, and and it's hard yeah. getting used to being the old guy with the white hair. You know, yes. and but you know, to them I must seem ancient. You know, yeah. I, I just imagine. So there's no, no, and and in some sense it's very freeing. You don't have to be cool at all. That is because, true. You know, you're just the old guy, and mm-hmm. and there's something great about that. You can sort of yeah. No, it's it, kind of what you were saying earlier about it, about just embracing it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when when it. I make when I make my dad jokes, and I don't have to have my feelings hurt. Because my <laughs> kid doesn't think they're funny, then I get to laugh at how uncomfortable it makes her, and <laughs> that's very liberating. <laughs> because I am I am completely amused, <laughs> and, and now she's uncomfortable and, and trying to make me feel ashamed. But I'm it's impossible because I'm dad and I'm immune to that. <laughs> well, you know I love the you know um, the dad in in crabgrass um mm-hmm. you know uh miles's dad in particular i love the relationship between those two characters yeah. um you know uh, he's he's definitely onto you know what the kids are all about um but it uh, you know what's great about a comic strip is you're allowed to make dad jokes yeah yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know and they're, they're you can do them from a variety of different points of view you can be you know kevin and miles and do them from the kids perspective and then you can also mm-hmm. turn it around and do it from the dad's perspective that's one of the great things about having adults yeah no that's a there that i had never thought about that there's a strong connection between comic strip humor and dad jokes <laughs> <There's> just, <laughs> yeah it's, all, it's it's no wonder both of them come so um Readily to me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the experience all the way around. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of crabgrass now, so like you're settled into a rhythm, right? Uh-huh. To a rhythm of day by day, every day. What's a day mm-hmm. like for, for you now? Um, the Okay, so my week looks like on Monday, I will write seven strips ah. the, uh, the, um, for that week. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday... I'll do two dailies. Okay. Um, and then each day, on, Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Yeah, each day. And then on on a Friday, I'll do a Sunday, and I get Saturday and Sunday off. Oh wow! Uh, you worked that out. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what it ended up coming down to. I tried a few different uh, arrangements, and that that's the one that seemed the most consistent, where I could do the highest quality of work. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, much more than that, and I start phoning it in, and it's not, and I end up having to go back and do stuff over, and it's not saving me any time. And is it uh, nine to five, or is you you work as many hours as it takes? Uh, gosh, I I I would so love for it to be nine to five. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I do I set that alarm every morning so optimistically, like it's gonna I'm gonna get up at eight o'clock, or I'm gonna get up at seven thirty or whatever. I'm gonna have some coffee, and actually I don't drink coffee anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, you know, I'm going to get up and have a bite to eat and then I'm going to I'm going to get started. And it does go like that a lot of days. But I have to I have to be prepared for those days when uh, anything at all interrupts my flow. Mm-hmm. And then it's just I can I, I get in where I can fit in. I just get, you know, whatever hours I can um, just because like like, OK, like today I have this call with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is also the day that I'm working on a Sunday. Well, I right. couldn't start that Sunday strip until this call was done. Yes, just okay. because my executive, you know, dysfunction, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I was so focused on this call that I can't focus on anything else until sure. I get the call done. And so where I would generally be done with this Sunday, probably by right about now, oh, I'll, I'll probably be working until Mm, five or six tonight, which is still not bad. No, it's not bad. Yeah, but no. I, I screwed up your day, man. I'm sorry. No, that's this is part of my day. This is part of it. This is part. Of, you got to do the publicity. It's part. Yes, of the job. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so that's that's really interesting. Have you come up against any Mondays where you know the writing's just not flowing? Um, not not a lot, mm-hmm. but I do occasionally come up. Kind of. I do occasionally come up against days where it's I'm I'm writing, mm-hmm. and I I'm no longer uh, sure that what I'm writing is any good. Mm. Like, I, like I've written you know three or four strips in a row, and I'm going back and I'm reading them, and I feel like they're hitting all the technical bullet points for humor, but I'm like, is this is this funny? Is this good? And at that point, it would be great if I were the type of person to just like you know, send it to a friend and say, tell me what you think of this. But I just, I, I can never bring myself to do that, mm-hmm. you know? So I just keep workshopping it and workshopping and workshopping it and I'll, I'll walk away from it and come back to it. Um, but yeah, occasionally that'll happen where I'll just like, I don't know, lose my sense of humor uh-huh. because or, or I've, I've been, I've been a sort of a muscle fatigue from flexing it so sure. much um, that I need to relax and then come back and, and, Sometimes I'll come back and like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, it was good. It's just I have lost the ability to see that. Yeah. Well, but other know, times I'll come back and it, it's like, yeah, that was trash. I need to work that over. Maintaining objectivity or distance from it, that critical mm-hmm. distance, is, I, you know, really, really difficult. I think mm-hmm. period of time. And uh, as you were saying, you know, it's the ability to see whether it's funny or not. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I mean, that's what they say about overthink humor, and it dies. You know, mm-hmm. because if you overthink it, it's it's not funny anymore. Um, yeah. And that's really the the issue. Um, do you find that, like, when you're sitting down to draw the strips, do you do you still edit the writing as you're going through that process? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, in fact, when I'm writing, all I'm really doing is getting a premise down. You mm-hmm. know, I'm getting down an idea that I know I can make something funny out of. If mm-hmm. it, if if, it, if the idea comes out in a sort of a funny uh, form already, then all the better. But mostly, I'm just getting the premise down, and. Uh, <clears throat> the sort of a skeleton of a, of, of a, a joke structure. Mm-hmm. And 
then when I go to do the art, I will make a first pass at the actual joke in in the uh, putting down the text in the in the in the panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I got the beats, then I just go ahead and do the art, and then I'll just tweak the text and tweak the text and tweak the text and tweak the text, and sometimes screw myself and come up with something even better and have to redo the art. But uh-huh. uh, <laughs> that's that's what those happens. are those are the long days. Um, but for 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 the average comic strip, yeah, I'm definitely I'm I'm rejiggering the the um, text in the comic, gosh, for weeks mm-hmm. until I actually send it to the okay. syndicate. So you finish your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and and you put them in the you know you put them in a file, yeah, and you you open them up prior to sending them off, and you're looking mm-hmm. at them and you're still tweaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still yeah. Tweaking. Yeah, yep. I'll, I'll I'll have an idea over dinner or before I, I fall asleep, and the next morning I'll get up and I'll and I'll tweak it a little bit more, tweak it a little bit more, right up until I send it to. Then this is not for every strip. Sometimes I nail it because I'm awesome, but this is <laughs> for, for many strips. Uh, for many strips, I will tweak them right up until I, I send them to the um, to the syndicate, and then they'll send me notes. Oh, and yeah, so sometimes I'll get it just right. Mm-hmm. And then I got a spelling error in there, which throws off my word balloon. And I got to go back and redraw that. And, oh. But have they ever, you know, gotten them and said, hey, this this one's not working. Um, I, I can count on one hand the number of times that they they just like, I don't think this joke is working the way you think it is. OK. And um, one of them was. A personal choice that I made to just say, fuck it, this is what I'm going to do. This is uh, um, the uh, the arc where we find out that Kevin's dad moved away, mm-hmm. where Kevin and Miles are lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Miles says something like, is it is it weird that I didn't notice he was gone? And then. uh Kevin looks at the camera and says, hardly anybody did. Uh, and great. that was just a, sort of a little nod to the fact that I drew Kevin's dad in like two strips and then just never drew him again. <laughs> 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 I just never, never put him in another comic strip. And I had to come to a, I had gone so long at that point that I had to either decide that he wasn't going to be in the comic strip anymore or just have him weirdly suddenly reappear. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to write him out. Um, but that was how I found out that Sheena Wolf does not like breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> she okay. was just like, yeah, that's a uh, – or I don't know if she doesn't like it, but if, if she never really, really saw it as a as a great thing for this comic strip. And she's right. I don't generally break the fourth wall. But that was kind of me stepping on the meta of the strip anyways. So I, well, I did know, the little fourth wall break there. It's interesting that you bring that up mm-hmm. um, because when we think about it, a zillion strips break the fourth wall. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, the the main character will speak directly to the audience. Charlie Brown used to speak directly to the audience. Yeah. You know, um, I think, uh, let's Calvin see. Calvin and Hobbes did. Calvin and Hobbes did. I think, yeah. uh, you know, Kathy did. Almost spoke yeah. exclusively to the audience. <laughs> sure, yeah. So, so it's interesting. Um and interesting that perhaps she's making that distinction. Well, I'd love to hear her discuss that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of fascinating. It maybe it just. I think it was. 
<clears throat> more than anything, the fact that I hadn't broken the fourth wall up to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to suddenly be doing that, I think she was calling attention to, is this a thing that I can expect now that we're going to be breaking the fourth wall? Is that is that part of the strip now? Or is it, you know, mm-hmm. a misplacement of uh, the character's, you know, facial expression that looks like it's breaking the fourth wall and might look that way to readers or something like that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably should have asked her about that but um yeah at the time it it was i was explicitly breaking the fourth wall and i was doing it for reasons yeah (laughs) it's very interesting um you know it's it's interesting to to think about that would be the one thing that that, you know came back at you so did you argue for it or did you sort of sit back and rethink it and say yeah i think i'll think i'll drop it no i think i just was like uh oh yeah i see what you mean no this is why and they were like okay cool you know, okay. whatever you want. I mean, it was never it was never an issue. Oh, that's interesting. Um, other times there have just been um, once or twice there's been. Uh, I have a I have a tendency to overwrite, mm-hmm. you know, and that's probably what I struggle with the most, because especially if I really like the joke, I really, really want readers to get it. Yeah. I really want them to enjoy it as much as I do. And so I stop trusting them to understand you know, the delivery and I just like hold their hand too much through it. And I put too much dialogue in there to really drive it home and it just ruins the joke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, as Stanley used to say, you know, it's always somebody's first time to the comic. Right. And, and so you're always aware of that and Mm -hmm. you're sitting down to write something. You're trying to do this exposition, but at the same time, lay out a joke that works and too much information always kind of trips it up. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. another one of those great lines from an old comic is that brevity is the soul of comedy, you know? Yeah. And, and so finding the quickest, quickest way to say the most. And and if you are trying to say something that's complex or touchy, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes crabgrass deals with, you know, things that are emotionally, you know, tricky, um trying to get that subtlety across the reader yeah it's going to be there's a lot you want to get across in the words you choose and so it's kind of difficult you know find that sweet spot yeah that that is um one one thing i found to um to sort of aid that process of when i do find myself trying to communicate something tricky emotionally is that um the the different characters um will articulate different things better mm-hmm. you know like if i want miles to be reassured even though he's done something bad then he has to talk to his mom if i want him to be told an honest but harsh truth gently then he talks to his friend carla you know it's it's like there's different characters um <clears throat> that can articulate things differently so you you have to say the right thing but you also have to make sure that you're picking the right person to say it and it's it's a balancing act. is that one of the things that you did during the development process is work out the the functionality as it were of each character how they yeah. work in relationship to one another yeah i think so um i think I, initially i just wanted to have a a, a largest large-ish cast mm-hmm. um but then uh, over time, I felt more like I had to justify those characters being there. And that's probably part of the reason why I wrote Kevin's dad out of the uh, the strip, just because for his character, it was better that, you know, 
his mom was single and raising the kids by herself. Oh, yeah. and, um, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, ultimately I just, I wanted each character to be there for a reason. And so I focused a lot on what their individual voices were and that they were distinct from one another. And I ended up with enough of a cast that it was, it, it became easy to talk from a, a, a number of different perspectives, which was, which was good. So, you know, psychologically, emotionally, you can, you can, when you have a, a certain point to make or a certain kind of humor, you can, you know, have Miles or Kevin go to this character or to that character. And, right. And, uh, and you know what kind of response you're going to get between the two. So you, you kind of can sort of preordain in a way that the direction of the joke, as it were, based on who's speaking and who's not. Sort of like yeah. having Charlie Brown speak to Linus, you know what's going to happen in that conversation versus mm-hmm. Charlie Brown speaking to Lucy, you know what's going to happen in that conversation. The outcomes are going to be very different in, in each situation. Right. Given who exactly, he, yeah. You know, bouncing off of, which is kind yeah. of kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the advantages of large of large casts of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> and I think it it helps it it helps keep the uh, the characters more childlike. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, whereas in, in in Calvin and Hobbes you had just the two characters. Yeah. But yes. Watterson touched on a lot of very deep, you know, profound topics. Mm-hmm. So it, it ended up coming out of uh either a child or his imaginary tiger which <laughs> yeah. while uh calvin was a, a, a very childish character he also would end up espousing some very mature ideas um mm. and you just kind of had to had to fold all that in there and i, I wanted to to preserve the uh the childlike you know um quality of of uh kevin and miles um well, yeah, cost, so. that's a big part of the humor is the fact that they are kids mm-hmm. and um, and they do kid things. And, you know, which is distinct from a lot of comic strips that deal with children. Mm-hmm. Um, in in your case, we're talking about kids who are kids. They're not adults speaking through children, and uh, <laughs> which is really important uh, to yeah. the, of the strip, I think. Yeah. And, and so the parents play a more active role in that regard. Well, you know, it's really cool. Well, yeah. Tahid, you know, um, you know, I'm just so thrilled. I really am. I'm I'm so excited for you and for Crabgrass. And, well, thank you. I'm I'm pretty thrilled myself. Yeah, you know, I'm, still I'm kind look- of on a high here. Yeah, man, and you should be for a long time. I, I <laughs> you know, although hard work is, you know, the hard work of it and the grind of it, obviously, you know, you it won't you won't be on the high forever. But you know, I, you know, you got yeah. strip has legs, you know, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be in the newspapers a long time, and uh, and all good things, man. I hope this thing just explodes and it's on TV and you know, whatever, you know, it's gonna be, yeah, big, you know. Oh, hey, man, me too, and thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a big fan, and I can't wait for the book to come out in September. I'm going to be looking for it. It's Crabgrass Comic Adventures, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I'll have it. I'll have ads up where you can get it on Amazon, things like that. So it, yeah. it won't be hard to find. Yep, and I think you can pre-order it right now, can't you? Yeah, yes, you can. Yeah, you can pre-order yeah. it. So, folks who are listening, go to Amazon, check it out. Or I'm always encouraging people to go to their local bookstore, though. So, uh, yeah. 
people will do that just because, um, you know, it keeps people employed and, um, and bookstores are a valuable place to go. Absolutely. You know, all right, Tahid. Um, I, you know, it's been great as always. And, uh, maybe, you know, the next big step for crabgrass, we'll, we'll get together again. And, hey, and that talk. sounds, that sounds great. I look forward to it. Me too. It's always been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Okay. So Crabgrass is now syndicated in newspapers, and you can call your local newspaper if you don't happen to have Crabgrass running there and ask them. Drop them a line. Give them a call. Uh, hassle them. <laughs> Talk to the editor. Uh, petition for Crabgrass, the comic by Tahid Bondia. Uh, to be added to your comics page. Uh, it, it's a wonderful thing. Still, you know, even still today, it's a wonderful thing to see your own comic in a newspaper, and it's a wonderful thing to see the comics in the newspaper. And uh, and so uh, be sure to reach out, even if you, you only pick up the newspaper once in a while. Uh, let's do what we can to help Taid out and, and make Crabgrass the syndicated success that we all know it should be. There's the book coming out uh, in the fall, the collection of Crabgrass Comic Adventures coming out in the fall in September, I think it'll be. I'll be sure to announce it here when I know more about it and be looking for it, or you can pre-order it, okay? And I think you can pre-order it both through Amazon and through Barnes & Noble or through your local bookshop. Be sure to check out with them because bookshops... We want to support them wherever they are. So, uh, again, hey... Uh, follow me on Instagram at GreenScreenComic uh, and be sure to check out my Kickstarter that's running the entire month of July at GreenScreenComic.com. You won't be disappointed. It's a fun comic book, let me tell you. I, I really put my heart and soul into this one and uh, I'm trying to extend the reach, you know. It's not so much about making money. It's about printing the book and getting it into the hands of hungry comics readers. So, check it out. And I just started a new little project called Quick Comics Reviews, which is on YouTube on my channel. Uh, I think it's Jeff Grogan's Blockhead or something like that because Blockhead was taken. So if you go to YouTube and look up Jeff Grogan's Blockhead, you'll find it. And Quick Comic Reviews is going to be popping up there. They're like one-minute, two-minute reviews of, of uh, comics that are in my collection or things that I've read recently or folks who are, who are on the show. So check that out okay it's on instagram also on green screen comic okay you can find it in my reels there i've got the first one and the first one is about our last uh, guest on our last episode randy ronaldo so uh, and rob haynes adventures so if you're curious about rob haynes and you hadn't checked it out well this is an opportunity to uh, get a little intro if you will to rob haynes and it might might send you over to randy's website wcgcomics.com and pick that up but today we're celebrating crabgrass and we're celebrating tahid bondia and uh i'm i couldn't be happier for him so uh i've got some shows lined up oh i can't wait uh hopefully we'll have a couple more guests this this july and uh so that'll be nice and uh, i hope to see you really soon i hope you are well i hope you're happy and safe and enjoying some nice weather we've had some beautiful weather here in upstate new york and uh, i couldn't couldn't be more pleased it's been a, um, a nice time to be out on the porch even to mow in the lawn has been nice because the weather's been so good so I hope you are sharing in the same wherever you are. 
Uh, and that'll do it for today, okay? So again, greenscreencomic.com. My Kickstarter is running throughout July. Uh, hope to see you there. Lots of great rewards, lots of fun stuff that, you know, if you love packages arriving in the mailbox, I do. Uh, <laughs> this one won't disappoint, okay? So greenscreencomic.com. I'll see you next time. Uh, hopefully very soon. I've got somebody lined up next week. So um, somebody very special who I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to. So I think you'll be, you'll enjoy it also. So uh, I'll see you soon. Okay. Be well, be safe, be happy. And once again, as always, thanks for listening.